Hi, my name is Satvik Trinabas, and this is Arnav Rastogi. And together we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to take a look at Week 7 action, break down what happened, because once again, another wild week, a lot of games we did not expect the outcome. And I think the first game we need to start with there, Washington upsetting Green Bay with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Maybe it's an upgrade. <laughs> I don't know. Upgrade. It was a very messy week, Savic, and I, I think this game right off the bat is very emblematic of it. And the Packers in the second half were non-existent. They they were non-existent. And it's a very reciprocal effect, especially on offense. I think offense is the biggest problem on this team. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he has been missing throws. He he has been missing throws. But but then again, you know, his receivers haven't been creating that much separation. You know, there's a reason that Aaron Jones is ending up with nine catches in both of the receiving touchdowns, right? A majority of this offense has come to now just dump offs to Aaron Jones, right? And with the Packers unable to run the ball, right? They had 12 carries for a combined 37 yards between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, right? So you're not able to run the ball. Your receivers aren't creating separations. You have an inaccurate quarterback that was held to under 200 yards for maybe like the fifth time in his career. This offense is just going down a drain and it, it, it's very messy. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to ever turn it around, but this is a game that they deserve to lose. Yeah, I think what we're seeing right now with the Packers is one of two things. The first thing is that the NFC may not have the top dogs, right? But it's kind of like, it's very close. Like any week, like I, I, I don't know if this is a great comparison because like I don't really watch too much college football, but I could say it's kind of like like the big Big Twelve football, you know, like it's it's, it's always going to be close every Saturday. No, that is one hundred percent inaccurate. Because right now, if you look at it, you have TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State and K State, all who play each other, and any one of them could end up as a Big Twelve champ. So no, that is one hundred percent accurate. Anyone in the NFC really could win. So when you when you're in that context, right of these kind of every single Sunday is a dog fight in these NFC games. You just don't have the scope anymore, especially when you don't have Devontae Adams, right? Because when you have a star receiver like that, we've seen this with Derek Carr like multiple times this season in multiple games. Like at some point you can just be like, you know what? Nothing's working. Let me just chuck this ball up to Devontae Adams and either he's going to make a play on it or we get a PI call or something, right? Mm-hmm. The Packers don't have that. Like everything is, there's just no room for error and they're making a lot of errors. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Another team with a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback making a lot of errors, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who also find themselves in a similar situation. But it's different in a sense because Tom Brady is performing at a better level than Aaron Rodgers. And the Buccaneers have significantly better receivers than the Packers do. So, So what's the problem in Tampa Bay? Right, everyone is healthy. Chris Godden's healthy. Mike Evans is healthy. Warren Fournette's healthy. What's the issue? All right. I mean, I guess when you say like that as a blanket statement, everyone is healthy. If you like really look at the track record this year, like guys have been in and out, you know, Julio Jones banged up. Everyone's like like no one's healthy. Maybe they're playing on Sunday, but like you know what I'm saying? But I kind of mentioned this in the previous episode and I, I still believe that it is the thing. I think it's just 
it is a lack of content. Like when you're watching this team, like it doesn't look like it's in sync. And it's not that Brady hasn't been here. These guys haven't been here. Sure, there's new paces in and out, whatever. But the core guys have been here with Mike Evans and everything. But it's just Mike Evans doesn't drop balls like that. And we saw against the Panthers, he dropped a wide open touchdown. And I don't know how you explain that other than the fact that it's just not clicking. And it, I don't know. Like, do you think this is a fixable thing with the Bucks? Yes, I, I think it's fixable. The Bucks just make too many errors offensively. If Mike Evans catches that pass, it's a different ball game. Mm. It's a different ball game, in my opinion. Right? You put more pressure on the Panthers' offense than PJ Walker. And I don't. I don't know. They do the things that they do. I don't think they operate the offense that they do. I don't think they run their version of ground and pound with Deonta Foreman that they did. Right? So, it it, it really goes back to that concept of. The scope of making an error, especially in the NFC, is very low just because everyone, everyone's record is so close, right? If you look at the NFC South right now, the Saints could be the number one with seed by the end of the weekend. The Saints, the two and five Saints, with one win over the Raiders, can be the top seed in the NFC South. That is how tight this is. So when if you're dropping a wide-open 60-yard touchdown pass and, and you're dropping passes, you're going to make an if Tom Brady is just going to be off the mark on that third down completion, Leonard Fournette is not going to make the extra move to make a tackle. Things like that add up. And it adds up to losses, and then those losses add up to where we see now. So it, it's it's just sloppy. It's it's very messy football. And when, with the Bucks and Packers both here, I think the best like way I kind of put it into context is if you think about the Chiefs, right? Like If you think about it, they were down against like Houston in the playoffs like a few years ago by like 21 points or 24 points or something crazy like that. And there's so many mistakes in that first quarter. Like it was horrible, but you, you talk about the the talent gap and just the amount of weapons you have, you can overcome that. But with the Bucks and Packers right now, that is just not the case, right? You make small mistakes, that's going to cost you big time. And that's what we're seeing. What's the next game we're yeah. going to talk about? No. Oh, right. I I got it. I got it. Right. Um, another uh, former MVP quarterback that's uh, struggling, Matt Ryan, right? And and he got benched for Sam Ellinger, but really this has been a buildup of multiple weeks of poor performances. What do you see with this trouble brewing in Indy, Sopic? Because that quarterback room, that quarterback controversy, it's just continually been there every year and and they're wasting a extremely good roster by being unable to solve this one position right well specifically with matt ryan it's just it's unfortunate but it just doesn't look good man i'm sorry i don't know how else to put it right if you, you bring in the veteran quarterback the least you expect is you don't turn the ball over right at, at, at the bare minimum don't turn it over and he just kind of ways to keep doing that and like you asked about just Colts as an organization trying to solve the quarterback position, right? It, it's just, it, it feels to me just organizationally, it, all the pieces are there, right? So even if you had a very, I, I don't want to put this in a negative context, but even a mediocre quarterback, if you just run the ball, don't turn it over, do all those things, you can win football games. If you and, put Jimmy G on the squad, they're going to the AFC championship game. Right, right. In that context. But, it's actually it's actually very inexplicable because 
the Colts are the kind of team where you actually don't need a superstar quarterback, right? Like there's their yeah, team exactly. There, so, but but they somehow find a quarterback that turns the ball. Like you don't expect Matt Ryan to come in here and the receiver runs an out route is clouded by two defenders, and Matt Ryan just throws a little overhead pooch pass to him. That just gets picked off because it's hanging in the air for like ten seconds. That's not that's not a decision or a throw that you expect your veteran former NFL MVP quarterback to make. But somehow every quarterback after coming to the Colts just decides to forget their skill set. If you look at Matt Ryan, his last two years in Atlanta, he had maybe one weapon either year. First year Calvin Ridley and the second year Kyle Pitts. He was working with one a weapon, one of the worst offensive lines in football, yet he still managed to make himself a top 15 quarterback in the NFL and a quarterback that a team is like, yeah, let's go get him and we can make a run at the Super Bowl. And now he's just diminished all that value. I don't know, right? Because we're it's, it's very hard with any position, especially with the quarterback position, when you're taking one guy and plugging him into like another place, right? It's it's hard to compare metrics always because there's different contexts, different teams, what you're trying to do. But if, if you ask yourself, even in Atlanta, right? Sure, top 15, I, I guess that's a term we could use statistically, whatever you're throwing the ball a lot. Atlanta's not a team that runs the ball, but it's, it's not uncharacteristic of like, if, if you watch Falcons football, <laughs> there's always been a moment where at the end of the game, Matt Ryan throws a pick or somebody fumbles the ball or something. right? But he was not turning the ball over at the rate that he is. Of course, at this rate, he is not, he is rate. not. Yeah. But I, I don't want to, I guess the kind of conversation we've been having is starting to sound like the culture placing a curse on these quarterbacks, but it, it honestly <laughs> looks like it. <laughs> I, I know it feels that way, but I don't, I don't think there's, we could justify that because it's, it's Carson Wentz throwing picks is not new, right? It's not like he learned that at, at Indy, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess we're digressing a little bit, a point, very valid. Colts can't seem to find a quarterback. Yeah. Another team that's in the middle of a QB controversy, the Patriots, Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. What do you do if you're in their positions, Avik? Because Bailey Zapp, he's played excellent football. He's pushed the football downfield, and he's been extremely accurate. And Mac Jones didn't look too good. He did not. But clearly in, in New England, they're saying if Mac Jones is healthy, he's a starter. But what would you do? Yeah, um, it's actually very confusing because you bring Mac Jones back, and if you're – Bill Belichick, right? And this is like, sure, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, but it kind of felt like, you know, he was kind of feeding into like, you know, everyone, the fans were like chanting Zappy is all happening. And sure, he's like, puts Billy Zappy in. Okay, now you, you score those two touchdowns. You're up going into half or whatever. Sure, you, you, you don't win the game. Nothing happens after that. But the fact that he goes right back to Mac Jones because he's been announced that he's going to be starting this week. He's healthy, whatever. I don't know, like, it doesn't strike me like Bill Belichick is the kind of guy to feed into, like, give the fans what they want. I, right? I mean, I mean, it was said before the game started that Bailey Zapp and Mac Jones are going to get playing time. Mm, okay. It was said before the game. So I don't, I don't know if he's feeding into the fans, but the Patriots have never had or been put in a situation where they're deciding between two guys before, you know, you had Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see maybe – Maybe Mac Jones isn't as good as we thought he was, right? Maybe that's not the case. Because last year it was kind of – he played well, but he never like had to put the team on his shoulders. I don't know if you would agree to that. 
Yeah. I, I would say the Patriots need more pull out of their quarterback play this year. And I don't know, in my opinion, Bailey Zapp is giving them more pull. Mm. I think I think Bailey Zapp has that element that Mac Jones doesn't, is that he's able to push the ball downfield more. Right. If you if you go back to his college tape at Western Kentucky, and I still remember the game that they played Michigan State, they put up 500 yards and like five touchdowns. Bailey Zapp threw for 500 yards and five touchdowns against our defense. And so he in college, he put up some historic numbers at Western Kentucky. And his entire offense was an air raid, push the ball downfield offense. And I think that's what the Patriots need. I, th- I think he gives what the Patriots want more than Mac Jones gives the Patriots what they want. Yeah, I hear that, but I, I just want to say this, but in my opinion, I, I think the, the Patriots are living in very dangerous territory right now. And I, I know this as an Eagles fan when you had, you know, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. Yeah. Two quarterbacks is not a good thing, man. It's just not. No, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I, I'm right there too, dog. We got we got Jameis and Andy Dalton and throwing Taysom Hill, dog. So we are, we are right there. It's, it's just, I don't care who it is. We just pick one of them. Make pick one and go. Right, that that's what I like about Dennis Allen. He picked Andy Dalton, and he stuck with him for six straight weeks. Jameis has been healthy for the past week. No, Dalton is our starter. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think I think Patriots need to take a page out of Dennis Allen's <laughs> Dennis Allen's book. Um. All right. Well, let's see how things translate over to a week eight and another bland week, but. Let's let's start here with an NFC West duel, 49ers Rams. What do you see, Savic? Yeah, I think this is gonna be a very good matchup as always when these two teams get together. It's the uh, rematch from the NFC Championship, so the 49ers maybe looking for a little bit of revenge, but I guess it's always a divisional game. But I think this is for the first time in like the recent like three or four years where these two teams are actually like really struggling by this point, right? We haven't seen. The 49ers three and four, Rams three and three at this point in the season, like for a long time. It's kind of, if you ask me, it's kind of like a desperate win game. Because if if the Rams win, the 49ers are three and five. The other way around, it's the Rams would be three and four. What do you see here? So Debo Samuel is out this week, which sort of removes the explosive element of the 49ers offense. And then, you know, you have Christian McCaffrey, but He's I don't I don't know if he's fully up to speed with the playbook. I think he'll be more integrated neck by next week. So you have Jalen Ramsey on Brandon Ayuk, and that that sort of that matchup, in my opinion, is now taken away. And so the 49ers offense, in my opinion, it's just it's a bit limited. It's a bit limited, in my opinion. And with that being the case, I think it's gonna be a low scoring affair, but give me give me Matt Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I'm gonna trust their playmaking to get the job done. I'll take the Rams at home. I'm actually going to go with the Rams here too. And I think part of the reason is what you just outlined with 49ers injuries. But also, like neither of these teams is like, to me, playing very consistent football. But I just do think, right, uh, at the end of the game, if there needs to be a big play made, the Rams are probably the one that's going to make it. So, yeah, for the same reason, I'm going to go with the Rams. All right. And now for the best matchup, this week, two, the only matchup with two teams having winning records. You guessed it, folks. Giants, Seahawks. Now, I, I would not expect our week eight game of the week to be Giants, Seahawks, but here we are. Gina versus Daniel Jones. 
Which QB you're trusting most, Savic? I'm going with Geno Smith and the Seahawks, right? At home. I think these are two really good teams, at least right now, if you're talking about the record, six and one, four and three. And the Seahawks have just continually found ways to make plays. If, if I'm Daniel Jones this week, I got to watch out, man, because I, I might go back to my fumbleitis. The Seahawks have been making big plays, causing turnovers. We, we saw that last week was Justin Herbert. I also just think I, – I know that the Giants definitely have the running game over it, right? Saquon can make big plays on the ground. But just as a passer, I think Geno is really explosive right now. Again, people aren't giving him the credit that is due. He's making a lot of big plays. He's going to give people an opportunity to watch this week, you know, um, in the 4 p.m. slot for the Seahawks. I could be America's game of the week. I'm not entirely sure. It's either that or Rams, 49ers. I don't know which one they have. But I just think – I think the Seahawks is just straight up – I think they're going to outscore the Giants. I, I think that. Yeah, I, I, I think that too. And listen, if I have to trust a quarterback between Daniel Jones and Geno Smith, Geno Smith's just the more accurate passer. And when I look at the pressure that the Seahawks are getting, their linebacker play as well has been exceptional. They have Tariq Woolen, excellent DB. I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, though. Both defenses are bottom five defenses in the league. So I think this is easily going to be a high-scoring game. I think this both teams might score 30-plus points. But in a shootout, come on, give me Gino. Yeah. Also, you got you got the twelves there. It's important, you know. It's at Seattle. Should be a good one, though. Uh, all right, let's look ahead here. Uh, upset of the week. You know, I give myself a little pat on the back. We got Seahawks over Chargers. My upset last week. So, man, Christian Kirk, you should have just reached in. That was a come on. It's tough. All right. Anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead now. My upset for this week, we got Monday Night Football, Cincinnati heading down to Cleveland. I know the, the Bengals offense has been hot, but we, got, we just got news that Jamar Chase is going to be out four to six weeks. Maybe that throws a wrench in the Bengals offense right now. I know I know the Browns haven't been doing much for anyone to say that they're going to, I guess, dominate the Bengals here on Monday night. But I think it's just a divisional game, primetime. I'm just playing the numbers here. It's possible, an upset. I think if Jacoby Brissett, just smart with the football, don't do nothing stupid like we saw a few weeks ago against uh, – who I don't even remember. Who was it that Jacoby Brissett had that? It's, it's that week where Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz both had, like, picks at the end of the Yeah, game. yeah, we both we both <laughs> lost our uh, upsets of the week that week. Uh, it was uh, it was week five. Browns are playing the Chargers. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Anyways, what do you have? I have the Lions over the Dolphins this week. I'm going heading back to the first year of our podcast, heading back to that Lions love. Um, unnecessarily high on this podcast, by the way. We we hype them up for a while. Yeah, just, um, we're we're not located in Michigan, Detroit, or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, Lions offense is due for a bounce back game after two very poor offensive performances. I think the Dolphins coming into town, I think this is just a trap game. I think Tua is going to be pushed around. The offensive line has not did not look exceptional against the Steelers. Granted, the Steelers do have an amazing D-line. But I think if the 
Lions just generate a little bit of pressure, make two a bit uncomfortable, force some stops. I think the offense, they can bounce back. They're going to put up a good some good numbers. I think, I hope Amon Ross St. Brown is back. That should provide a spark. So Lions offense gets back on track, I think. I, th- I think they can beat the Dolphins at home. You know, I could see this one, but at the same time, you know, the Lions have been just left so much on the table throughout yeah. the first seven weeks. But maybe, maybe they turn this around. I could see that. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 87th episode of the Backfield Drift. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to unveil our mid-season tier list. Savik, half of the year is done already. I feel like it's every year. It goes by so fast. You blink and NFC is already gone. Yeah. And, and this season has been crazy. It has been, it has been a, it's just a season of wild stories. So we'll see how all of that materializes into our tier list next week. And of course, look ahead to week nine. Until then, it's been Arnav Rostogi and Stay safe and take care.